BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new episode of The Bad Broadcast. My name is Maddie. Thank you for being here right off the bat. Please go subscribe, rate, review you know the drill. I just had this moment where I walked into the building and I put my mask on and I got into the building and I was like, oh gosh, it smells weird in here. And I was like, what is going on? It smells weird in every room. Nope. It doesn't smell weird in here. It is my breath. That's what smells bad. I was smelling my breath from my mask. It was a really humbling experience for me. Anyways, I'm really happy to report that today I am recording from the Kiln offices here in Salt Lake City. I've had a couple questions about what Kiln is because I've posted about it a few times on my story and you guys know that I'm now working from here. So it's like a flex workspace and I come here and I write. They've got a bunch of amenities, snacks, everything. Um, The vibes here are elite, okay? I now record from this podcast studio here and it's so amazing. It's got amazing, it's got these very nice chairs. It's got a nice little lounge area. It's got the walls with the foamy stuff on them. Amazing equipment. Matt was like really jealous of the microphone setup that I have here. But a lot of you guys know that I started this, well, I started the bad broadcast, like the Instagram account. I started it in my parents' basement almost exactly a year ago. And then I was doing IGTV stuff and just content from our apartment. And then when I decided to start the podcast, I was always working from Matt's studio, like because our second bedroom is his studio. So I was recording out of there. And then my schedule started to get busier. And it was like, totally cramping his style. So I got myself a desk and a microphone. And I've been recording from our living room for the last however long, however long we've been doing this 25 episodes. So to have like a place that I can come and sit and record and it's got everything I need. I know a lot of you guys are in the process of starting podcasts or you're wondering how to, you know, where to begin. This is a great stop because it has everything you need. You literally just need to show up, plug in your computer and start talking, which is what I did today. And yeah, so we have a few things to talk about today. I just got nervous actually saying that sentence because what is worse than when somebody texts you and they're like, hey, can we talk for a minute? Or like, hey, can we talk about something? Hey, I needed to talk to you. What's worse? That's the worst thing that a friend could ever say to you. I hate that. So no, we don't have anything serious to talk about. We're going to go over Real Housewives of Salt Lake, of course, a little bit of Bachelorette, and then I'm going to do a Q&A because this is our 25th episode. I know that's like not like a big milestone, but it feels like a good a good uh, landmark number to kind of reintroduce myself to you guys because I know a lot of you are new here and some of you are going to learn some new things that you might not know about me. So let's first, let's get this out of the way. Okay, let's just get it done, get it out of the way. We need to talk about Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So I'm a salt or <laughs> salt. I'm a, I'm a fan of Salt Lake also, but I'm also a huge Housewives fan. I mostly watch Beverly Hills and New York But Jordan, who you guys know from the Celebrity Couples episode, one of my best friends, she's like a Housewives fiend. She loves all of the franchises. She's always trying to get me to watch Potomac and Dallas and all the other ones. But I've just really gravitated towards Beverly Hills and New York, and I love them. So, of course, when they announced Salt Lake City, I was over the moon excited because I love Salt Lake. I love her Housewives. They're coming together. I was so excited. And let's just, before we get into the nitty gritty. 
Let's just all take a breath. Okay, let's take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. I promise you it's going to be totally fine. However you felt about the premiere, and we'll talk about kind of the reaction of people, it's going to be totally fine. I mainly want to talk about the response from Utahns and from people who are from here and what their reaction was and what they put on social media and what they said about the show. So <laughs> I'm sure when I don't know whose idea it was to come here. I don't know who's first who first said, hey, maybe we should go to Utah. Maybe we should go to Salt Lake City. But I bet they said, hey, you know what? We should go to Salt Lake City. It's a really highly religious area. You know, people are saying there's going to be a lot of judgment. People are saying that it could be good drama. And the producers were probably like, nah, I don't know. I don't know much about Utah, but let's give it a shot. And then the first episode aired and they saw the response from Utahns and they were like, Oh, that's why we chose here. I would bet they got over a million dollars worth of free advertising from how many mommy bloggers and influencers were posting and tweeting about this. That they they knew exactly what would happen when they aired that episode about Salt Lake City. And everybody delivered. Residents of Utah really pulled through for the producers and what they expected. So you know what, we're just going to have to dive into this. So first, let's all just recognize that Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is a reality TV show. It is not a representation of the average Joe or the average woman. No, no franchise is. Erica Jane does not represent the average Pasadena resident, okay? Nothing about Real Housewives is supposed to be normal or like run of the mill. Okay. So I want to talk specifically about the LDS influencer, Utah based mommy blogger, whatever you want to call it, that community's response to Real Housewives of Salt Lake. I'm not talking about one person. I saw many, 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 many Instagram stories. You guys tagged me and stuff, sent me stuff. I saw a lot. This is not about one person's reaction. This is about the collective response to the premiere. So the main thing I'm seeing is that a lot of them were saying things like that they don't represent what I believe or what I think or my life or my choices or my religion, anything like that. Like I said earlier, they are not supposed to represent anything other than a reality TV show character and other than themselves. So it's okay that the Real Housewives of Salt Lake don't represent you exactly. Furthermore, these women on the show have had their own experiences in Utah and with the LDS church. I don't think the Mormon mommy blogger community gets to dictate if their experience with the church is correct or not. While it may not be their own experience, it doesn't invalidate the experience of others. Just like negative experiences that people have had, don't invalidate your positive experiences. That should go both ways and that should be pretty obvious. But just because somebody doesn't perfectly fit into the mold that you do, it doesn't mean that the mold they're in is categorically wrong. Also, I was thinking about this. So much of the LDS church focuses around home and family, and a lot of things are taught in the home. A lot of people learn doctrinal aspects from parents or other leaders in the church. And I have talked to so many people who have had different experiences with that and have honestly learned different things. They've learned different ways of doing things or different, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like different uh, details of of teachings. Like they really, they really ha have a completely different understanding of it. So it's okay that somebody thought something differently than you, or they gathered something differently than you did from an experience. That doesn't make them wrong. Okay. And it doesn't change what you believe in. If you believe in that, and that is your and you're so sure and it brings you happiness and peace, anything that people say about it should not change that. That's perfect. And because of that, maybe you don't want to watch this show. Maybe you don't like it being brought up. Maybe you don't want to hear about it. That's totally fine. I'm not sitting here telling you don't have don't have any feelings when something that you care about is brought up. But I do have a problem with getting on your Instagram story and bashing women for the experience that they had just because it didn't perfectly line up with what you did. I don't like that. I don't like that. I'm not saying you have to hop on the bandwagon and I'm not trying to convince you to, but I don't think it's right to gatekeep how somebody else experiences your religion just because it's not what you experienced. I don't like that at all. You don't need to be afraid of somebody who's a little bit different. We don't have to be afraid of awkward conversations or people who disagree with you. If you belong to an organized religion, 
I hope it's because it makes you more loving and more understanding and less judgmental. And I really hope that it's not because you enjoy participating in rule following contests. Like I hope that I, I, I can confidently say, I can confidently say that the, the point to belonging to a religion, not just the LDS faith, every single organized religion, I can confidently say that the point of it is not to be more judgmental of the people around you. I can say that with surety, that that is not what they are trying to get you to do when you belong to a church. I don't know, maybe if you belong to like the Westboro Baptist Church, but they're they're terrible people anyway. So let's get into the other side of it, because a lot of LDS Utah influencers got extremely upset that things like perfectionism and perfectionism culture were mentioned. And oh, how the tables have turned. (laughs) It's so funny because you know on the show who talked about perfectionism culture, it was Heather. And Heather owns a spa. She owns Beauty Lab and Laser. And do you know who her clients are? They are Utah mommy bloggers. It's so wild to me. And then the response of this community was like, There are no judgmental women here, but let me tell you my judgment of six women I've never met. Like, it's it's insane. Let's just call it what it is. Let's stop. I I love Utah so much. And like, that will never change. It's my home. I want to live here till I don't know how long, but I love it here. And just because I point out problems within the culture or harmful habits that we all get into, that doesn't mean I hate Utah. I'm not on this podcast to tell you guys how stupid Utah is. I love Utah. If your best friend is sick, you want to help her feel better. You don't throw the whole friend out. Utah has a problem. We're a number one Botox fillers, elective plastic surgery, opioids, antidepressants, suicide. That's a cultural thing here. And we got to we can't like let this slide anymore. We got to talk about why it's happening and not be so quick to be mad when somebody mentions that it exists, especially this influencer community who's saying that doesn't exist here. No way. Uh, You invented it. You literally invented toxic perfectionism culture. So I don't get it. Utah has a problem and it's it's like keeping up with the Joneses, but it's hopped up on Diet Coke and Valium, you know, like it's knowing all the time that your neighbor can afford a new car or a Gucci bag or has three kids that sleep through the night or they spent $15,000 on their light fixture. And if you swipe up, you can get $10 off. Like it's it's all over. It's constant. It's in our neighborhoods. It's a very family oriented area. So a lot of young families, a lot of young moms, a lot of similar demographics. And the message is sent to girls when they're 11, 12, 13. That's how young I was when I first heard about it. But that the message is being sent that spiritual and physical perfection are attainable. And not only that, it's embarrassing if you don't reach it. That's what we're being told all the time. And it is not about selling ads and doing swipe ups. That's what I'm, I'm trying to do that too. I'm obviously not sitting here saying that making money as an influencer is the problem. That is absolutely not the problem because a lot of places have a very high concentration of influencers and they don't deal with the same things that we deal with here. It lies within the attitude of a lot of these influencers where they want to make women feel inferior. Again, that is not a blanket statement on every influencer that has ever existed. I love so many of these these influencers. I followed them for a long time, but that is what I saw in the reaction to the Real Housewives of Salt Lake. I saw a clear categorization of these women in the influencer community making sure that they clarified that the housewives of Salt Lake City are beneath them. They're not as good. They don't represent me. Duh, they don't represent you. They're not supposed to represent you. A lot of these women aren't members of the church anymore, and they clarified that. (laughs) They don't represent you, just like Luann DeLessips doesn't represent me as a girl with short brown hair. It's okay that these women don't represent you. That doesn't mean that they're less worthy of anything. That doesn't mean that their experience is now null and void because you didn't like it. I just, I hope that, first of all, I am am thrilled with 
Real Housewives of Salt Lake. Maybe it's not going to be the greatest entertainment of all time, but it's about time that something happens here in Salt Lake that gives people the notion that you don't have to be in a black or white state of mind. There are women all over the map. There's Not everybody is exactly black and white. Not everybody is going to think like you. I hope that it kickstarts something here that at the very least, it tells people, it communicates to people, whether you're in the church, you're outside the church, you are not required to listen to the criticism of people around you. That's not that's not part of it. And I hope that it teaches people that you aren't in a position to criticize how somebody else feels about something or the decisions that they make. You don't have you don't have to. I promise you guys, it's a reality TV show. It's okay. It's going to be totally fine. Your church and your religion and your spirituality is still valid. It's still good. It's still, you know, if you want to hop on your Instagram stories and clarify that something that was said is not what you personally believe, that's fine. But you don't have to be such a dick about it. Okay, you don't have to hop on and bash women for everything they're doing, especially the things like perfectionism culture, when that runs rampant through all of our lives. That is not a lie that perfectionism culture exists here. It's awful. It's the it's the worst. I feel it every day. I've had a horrible experience with it. And it makes me cry all the time that the women around me are so anxious to make sure that the other people around them feel inferior. I don't like that at all. And I'm so sick of pretending like it's not happening here. And I'm so sick of people not looking at numbers and facts and putting two and two together and saying, where can we make improvements? Maybe how to make improvements is not getting on your platform with you know, 500,000 people and being so awful to other women in entertainment and performance. That's all mommy blogging is. Mommy blogging and Real Housewives are two sides of the same reality TV coin. Just like I don't feel like a lot of these influencers represent me. I'm not sitting here complaining that the influencers don't represent me. (laughs) Like, who cares? They've got their following and they've got people who like them and they're doing their own thing and that's great. I just, I do not think it is necessary to put so much emphasis on other people's decisions and beliefs. I don't think that's necessary. I think that everybody can believe and think what they want. And it's, okay, it's interesting because we live in a highly religious area, obviously. That is statistically true. I'm not just making that up. Utah is a highly religious area. And I think because of that, people feel very entitled to knowing about other people's spiritual experiences or experiences within the church. People feel very comfortable asking about spiritual experiences or, you know, different details about their church experience. And in almost any other area, you would never go up to somebody and ask them what their relationship with the church they grew up in is like now. Like you wouldn't ever ask anybody that. But we do it here because it's so prevalent. I get asked that. I mean, not exaggerating. I probably get asked between 50 and 100 times a day. And the reason I don't talk about my personal experiences and beliefs within spirituality are because I finally decided that that's for me. Like, that's going to be my deal. That's going to be something personal to me. And I don't think that anybody else is entitled to knowing that. But I don't think that a lot of people share that perspective. And I think that a lot of these women and a lot of the response from Utahns were attacking other people's experiences with the church. And that is wild to me. I mean, that's that's insane to me. That's insane to me that you could look at somebody's experience or how they were raised or what they were taught or something that somebody said to them one time, like, and looking at that and saying, I'm going to dissect that. Not only am I going to dissect that, I'm going to bash it. And I'm going to make sure that everybody who sees us knows that I'm better than them. I don't like that. Don't like that one bit. And I think that, again, it's going to be fine. Take take a Xanax. It's going to be totally fine. However the season plays out, don't watch it. If you, if you don't want to watch it, fine. It's fine. It doesn't change anything. You don't need to go out of your way to be so, so, so worried about what was said. The The church will be okay. The The LDS church had the Book of Mormon on Broadway for how many years now? It's like the number one 
thing. Like people, it's it's not bad press. It's not, people are not going to the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City for accurate information on a religion. I can guarantee that. There are other women of other faiths on there that are, I'm sure, not being representative of other members of their congregations. It's, it is reality TV. On that same topic of reality TV, I think it is time we get into a quick little Bachelorette review. I am very happy with The Bachelorette. I think that I am in love with Taisha. She is so beautiful. It hurts my face. Like it actually causes me physical pain to look at her. So that's good. I'm very happy Claire was gone. What's more representative of 2020 than the fact that The Bachelor is now taking place out of La Quinta? Like what? Of course that's happening. Of course that's happening. I hated more than anything Claire and Dale's uh, like reunion or whatever that they did with Chris Harrison. It was so uncomfortable. Dale so clearly did not mean to get himself into this situation. Like he came on The Bachelor to try and be famous and then he was like playing the game really well and then Claire was like, perfect, we can get married now. And he was like, oh, cool, okay. <laughs> like he's, it's so painfully obvious that he does not want to be there. It was driving me insane when Claire was like, I just want people to be happy for us. No, Claire. No, Claire, you were hired to play a game. We wanted to watch the game. Nobody cares. Nobody cares if you found love. We're, none of us are here for that anyways. You were hired to be the bachelorette to provide us with entertainment for the year and you failed. That's like if somebody got picked to play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and then they were like, hey, actually, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to play Family Feud. Like, no, you were hired to play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and then you decided to play Family Feud. The fans of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire are not happy for you, okay? So, anyways, I took a couple notes. So, Noah, the guy with the mustache, oh, he reminds me of Deanie Babies. Do you guys know Deanie Babies? He reminds me of him. He's got that energy. I think that Brendan is so cute, so cute. I want to punch him in the face. He's so cute. If you guys have seen Brooklyn with Saoirse Ronan, he reminds me of Tony from that. I feel like Brendan is the guy that I would have had a crush on in like ninth grade, but there was no chance he would like me because I probably weighed like 85 pounds more than him. But I still think he's very cute. I feel like they, I don't know, they had a great date. I liked their connection. I'm here for Tasha as Bachelorette. So that's my quick little wrap up of Bachelorette. Now we are going to get into a big Q&A. You guys had a lot of questions for me and I kind of want to reintroduce myself because I haven't gotten into a lot of these details ever and also, if you're new, yeah, I said that at the beginning, but whatever. It's weird doing a podcast because I actually do kind of black out. I really only listen to my episodes once. I listen to them once when I edit them and then I upload them and I never listen to them again. So I kind of forget a lot of times what I've said in past episodes. Like, I don't know if I ever repeat a story or not. So uh, if I if any of this is repetitive, I'm sorry, but I'm just answering the questions that I get asked the most. So the number one question is, how did the bad broadcast start? How did you start a podcast? How do I start a podcast? All of that. So let's get into how I found myself running this thing, running this stuff. So when I graduated, well, my whole life, my whole life, I felt like everybody around me really knew what they wanted to do. All of my brothers had like a thing. All of my friends had a thing. They all had a passion or a hobby or a job or any of that. They all kind of knew what they wanted to do. And when I was younger, it felt obviously much more dramatic. Like I felt like I was so alone and I had no idea what I was going to do. Whenever I talk about this, most people in their late teens, early 20s didn't know what they were going to do either. <laughs> so I just never really knew. I I bounced back and forth between so many things and I would get ideas in my head and I would try it out. I'd quit that job. I'd get another one. I worked in restaurants. I worked in retail. I worked in uh, lots of call centers. I worked, I don't know, I just had a bunch of really, really, really random jobs. And I just kind of hoped that something would accidentally happen to me, like something would accidentally work out and I would just be able to do what I really wanted to do. I didn't even know what that was. But I met Matt and married Matt, of course. And he just recognized parts of myself that I didn't know were there. Like he knew, I think he kind of always knew what I wanted to do. I think he knew that I wanted to write my own stuff. I wanted to perform in a sense. I think he knew. And I think that's why he was okay with me quitting all of the part-time jobs I would get. And, you know, I went to aesthetic school and then I got a job at a spa and I didn't, that didn't end up working out. And so I got a job at another restaurant and then I'd quit that. And so he was okay because I think he knew I was just slowly inching my way to doing something that I loved. So 
last year, like exactly a year ago, I said this earlier, but we were living in my parents' basement and I didn't really have any sort of direction. And it's like such a weird time. It feels like a foggy dream. When I look back on those few months in my parents' basement, we were just like sleeping on a mattress on the floor. We were like binge watching TV shows. I didn't have a job. Matt was working from home. We were just kind of being losers. And my mom, my mom is a wonderful writer. So she's always looking into like writers retreats or classes and all of that. And she found this place in New York called the Gotham Writers Academy. And they offer like six week courses, eight week courses, weekend courses. They do a bunch of different stuff. It's awesome. You guys should look into it if you are wanting to take any sort of writing course. So we decided that in January of 20, this year of 2020, we would just get an Airbnb in New York, stay for a few weeks, and I would take a writing class. So I took a humor writing class and I also took a screenwriting class. And it was, it was amazing. It was expensive as can be. We spent far too much money on Airbnbs and food, but it was a really good experience and I learned a lot. And that was where I kind of started putting effort into the bad broadcast. I had gotten the Instagram and I was like, I'm just going to try and talk or write stuff or write jokes or perform or do skits or do bits or do impressions. And like, I don't know, I'm just going to try and do it and see if it takes. And if you guys listen to me on uh, Wake Up With Wesley, Wesley's podcast, I talked about when I like woke up, when I realized that I could do what I love to do. And so this is maybe repetitive if you've, if you've listened to that podcast, but we were in New York and Matt loves to listen to like commencement speeches or just anything inspirational. He loves it. He wants to play it in the morning. It gets him pumped up. I love it. So he was playing this commencement speech that Jim Carrey gave at his, I assume it's his alma mater, but I don't know. He had this commencement speech and he talks about how his dad was a very gifted comedian. And he could have had a huge career in comedy and in stand-up, but he didn't feel like it was safe enough and he didn't feel like he would be able to make money doing it. So instead he decided to become an accountant and he was an accountant and he was an accountant for like 15 years or something. And then he got laid off and he was never able to find work again. And that's when Jim Carrey says that he realized that you could fail at something you don't even love. You can try the safe option and still fail. So you might as well give what you really want to do a try because chances are at least you're going to be happy doing it and you're going to be able to look back and say, I really, really, really gave that a shot. And that's what I wanted to do. I really wanted to give it a shot. And I honestly thought, I thought like if I could get 500 or 1,000 followers, if I could somehow get 1,000 people to care about what I do, that's, that number seemed insanely high. That number seemed like I would never, ever, ever be able to get like a 1,000 people. Like getting a, th- I remember when my first video got a 1,000 views, I threw a party for myself. I was like, I couldn't believe that that many people were caring. And then obviously... COVID hit, 2020 hit, and we were stuck at home. And I thought it was a really good opportunity for me to just work on writing stuff and work on content and try and develop this into something that I could possibly make money doing. And so I started the podcast because I saw so many other podcasts making good money doing it. And I felt like I had a big enough audience. I think I had like 2,500 followers. And I was like, this is going to be perfect. This is exactly what I want. So I started the podcast, fell in love with it. I remember when one of the first episodes, I, the one, the same one I did with Jordan, I remember it hit a thousand plays and I texted her and we were both freaking out. I was like, I can't believe that many people listened. It's insane. And a couple weeks later, I did a video on Instagram about Utah brides and it just blew up. It went, it got super popular. It was shared a lot. It was viewed a lot. And that's when my big influx of followers came. A lot of the people who were here with me at the very beginning, like when I was between like one and 2000 followers, you guys saw like it was just a big jump for me. I got a lot of followers and it was really, really, really hard for the first couple days. I remember waking up at night and I would be so upset and I would be like crying and nervous and I'd be sick from anxiety and I couldn't handle the thought that that many people 
were looking at my stuff and my life and what I was thinking and what I was saying. And then I thought back to when we were in New York and we were in this little Airbnb and I had 200 followers and how badly I wished that I could somehow spread the word or I could get an audience or I could make people laugh. And that's when I decided to just be insanely grateful for it. (laughs) I have like the most intense love for people who follow me. And you guys know that because I never stop talking about it. But I do feel like we are friends in real life. And the fact that you guys follow me, I don't know, it's insane. And so that's kind of how we've started building. And now I'm here a year later, a year after we moved in with my parents. And I've got my wonderful manager, Sam, and she's helping us get ads. And she's helping me grow. And I'm trying to build this and it's now like my job. And it's wild. It's so wild to me that I'm saying that. And yeah, so that is how I started. And my advice for people, I get asked a lot how to start a podcast. And my advice is to just start, to buy a microphone, to get some headphones, to record yourself talking, to think of some topics you want to talk about, pick a title, I use Anchor. It's the website I use to distribute my podcast. So I upload it to Anchor and then they distribute it. It takes a couple weeks for uh, Apple Podcasts to approve it. Just letting you guys know. But yeah, I also had some friends that were running podcasts. So they gave me some really good advice. And it really is just a matter of starting. It doesn't matter. The universe is not going to accidentally push you into being a podcast host. You got to just accident or (laughs) you have to actively, you know, start doing it and it and it'll work. Anybody can do it. Sometimes I get responses from you guys and I'm like, please don't be funnier than me. That's disrespectful. You cannot be sending me emails that are as funny as the ones you guys send me because you're going to start a podcast and it's going to be way better than mine. Okay. But in all reality, I would actually love that. And you guys are much, much, much funnier than me. So there's kind of the birth story. There's my delivery story of the bad broadcast. Another question I got asked is, who is somebody that I looked up to growing up? Well, so I am the youngest of eight kids. I've got seven older brothers. So of course, my mom, my beautiful, wonderful, badass mom. She's not going to like that I said that, but it is true. My mom is a breed that I don't know anybody else belongs to. (laughs) She is 100% invested in everything all the time. She's always working. She's always on the go. She runs our, she ran our house growing up. She does everything. She's smart. She's determined. She's kind. She's open-minded. She's everything. I really, really, really hope I can be when I grow up. So of course, my mom is number one, always at the top of my list. Um, I also had, I also had several teachers growing up that really made me feel like I could accomplish something. Like I have three teachers in particular. I remember my first grade teacher, my fourth grade teacher, and one of my teachers in high school, which I get it. It's weird that they're like, who's your hero? And I'm like, my first grade teacher. No, I get it. But I feel like at those young ages, I had a, I had teachers who really did make me feel like I was smart and capable and like I could do something, especially my teacher in high school is my junior year English teacher. Her name was Miss Jensen. I know a lot of you guys who are from my area know her. I kept in touch with her for many, many years and I still hear from her every now and then. But she just made me feel like I was special and she made me feel smart. And I just I always leaned on that in those, you know, late teens, early 20s years where I didn't feel very capable of anything. I looked back on the people who really believed in me and liked me and made me feel worthy of things. Just that that feeling was was irreplaceable. And so then other than that, the women who I really looked up to were, I know this is <laughs> going to sound weird and I know some of them listen, but uh, like the girls my brothers dated, I always wanted to be like, especially now the ones that they've married. I love my sisters-in-law more than I can even say. But all growing up, whenever there was a girl who came over who was older than me, I just like idolize them. Like I wanted to do everything like them. Who what whoever they were, if they were older than me and they were a girl and they were at my house, they were my hero. They were now going on my vision board and I was going to talk about them 10 years later in a podcast. That's how profoundly they impacted me. I just I always was looking for women to look up to and I feel like I am an accumulation of every single woman that I've met in my life. I feel like I have 
recognize something in them that I really hope I have. And I like take a little piece of that and put it into the Maddie stew. And I hope that I come out an okay person. (laughs) But I just loved I loved meeting them and feeling like I had an older sister or an older friend or something like that. I remember one of my brother's girlfriends would like take me to the mall with her or all of those things. It just it meant so much to me because I didn't have sisters. And now, of course, they're my sisters in law and they are the most wonderful wives and mothers and friends ever. So I don't know if I had any like famous people that I was well from ages like 12 to 19. Well, maybe like seven to 19. It was definitely Lizzie McGuire. But other than that, I just really looked up to any woman, any woman who I felt was cool. Like she was my hero. Uh, Okay, somebody this is a really random one. But somebody asked me if I Black Friday shop. I dabble in Black Friday shopping. I don't like really look forward to it. Like it's not something I'm super excited for. But we did go a couple years ago and we got an Apple TV for like 20% off and it was great. But I also had to work Black Friday a lot of times. Like I had to work. I remember when I was working at the Michael Kors outlet, very fancy. I had to work Black Friday and it like ruined Black Friday for me. I was like, I will never do this to workers ever because it was so bad. But then I did it. Now I think you can do it all online. Well, I guess that's Cyber Monday, but also like Target, they're doing their Black Friday deals all month, which is great because of COVID. And then you don't have to go and like be crowded in a crowded place, you know? So yeah, Uh, somebody asked me about my person, if I like personality tests and what my results are. So personality tests. Yes, I love personality tests. I love anything that helps me recognize parts of myself that are unique to me. I yeah, I love anything like a personality test. So my any Enneagram, Enneagram, I'm not sure what it is. Uh, six wing seven. If you know what that means in detail, please let me know. And my Myers-Briggs, Briggs, whatever it is. I think it's I don't remember all of the letters that it is, but it's the consult or the consulate, the consult. Let me make sure. Let me look this up. Okay. Oh, console, console, C-O-N-S-U-L, the console. Okay, it is, oh, former consoles or consoles I may know. Taylor Swift, Jennifer Garner, Bill Clinton, and Steve Harvey. What a lineup. What an absolute lineup. So I am in, oh, let's see. Uh, I think I'm E-S-F-J-A. Not really sure, but I like doing these. I find these very, very fun. My Enneagram, I'm sorry, I know I'm probably saying it wrong. Enneagram, Enneagram, that one, especially with Matt, like are the ones that talk about us together. I think he's a seven, are spot on, are insanely spot on. It's weird. I like that the majority of humans fall into a personality type. You know, like Myers-Briggs, I think there's 16 of them. Like, I like that so many people have done this and they fall into one of those categories. It just goes to show we're so much more similar than we think. Fun little fact. Okay, um, continue. Oh, do me and Matt want kids? So I come from a big family. Obviously, I just said that, eight kids. And I had a wonderful experience with it. I loved, loved, loved growing up in a big family. I don't think that I want, actually, I don't know why I'm saying I don't think, I definitely don't want a big family. And that's not because I didn't love it, but it's because times are a change in and they're just different now, I feel like. I talk to my mom about this all the time. So yeah, we do want kids. When I was younger, I thought that that was kind of my only purpose. I thought that that was all I was going to be good for, that that my life was kind of on hold until I became a mother, that that was my number one goal and there nothing should sidetrack me and nothing should take up any time except being a mom. And I don't feel that way anymore. I don't feel like an intense pressure to become a mom, but I definitely on a personal level want kids. And I don't know when that will be. I think we're definitely a few years away. We're not like really settled anywhere. I don't even know if or where we will settle if we do. But yeah, we are probably a few years away. I also just I hesitate to even make plans with things like that because who knows, like what life will do, like what will happen. And so I try not to plan too much, but it's definitely something that I want. Um, somebody asked me my top five gas station foods. Okay, let's talk about the the top five gas station foods. Okay, Funyuns are number one. Funyuns are, Funyuns are a, an umami delicacy. I will not take any Funyun slander, okay? Funyuns, I love Gardettos. Oh, I love Gardettos. Chocolate-covered cinnamon bears, Kit Kats. 
Uh, number five, I'm probably going to go with sour cream and onion lays. Also, I would take sour cream and onion Pringles. They're just a little bit too tangy for me. They have like kind of that sour taste and sour cream and onion lays are more onion focused. And I, I really like that. Also, I don't know. There's something about Pringles that just make me feel weird. I love them and I would eat a whole sleeve until my hand can no longer fit into the Pringles can. But Lay's like resemble a potato. Like, you know, they came from a potato. Pringles, I'm like confused on how they got there. Like, I'm like, is this mashed potatoes that have been air fried? Are these mashed potatoes that have been put back together in this saddle shape. I don't know. Pringles just, they they give me the willies a little bit. Okay, before I answer the next question, we are going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. All right, I'm here to remind you of our wonderful sponsor for this episode, Spa Truve. Spa Truve is a full-service Utah spa that offers skincare, Botox, filler, injections, cool sculpting, laser hair removal, CO2 resurfacing, and vaginal rejuvenation. They are offering my listeners uh, 10% off if you use my code MADDIE10. That's M-A-D-I-10 with your next purchase at Spa Truve. If you're out of state, you can shop online, which is shopspatruve.com. This will all be in the show notes so you guys can look there. And also, did you know that Spa Truve has a podcast where they talk about all of their treatments and products, along with weekly episodes with inspiring guests who talk about parenting, relationships, business, and more. Additionally, they are having the grand opening of their St. George location next week. I know a lot of you guys are in Southern Utah. Be sure to check it out. Shop online or in store and use my discount, Maddie10 at checkout. Um, okay, somebody said, if you had to distract Matt for one hour, what would you get him to start talking about? Oh my gosh, there are a lot of things I could get Matt to talk about for an hour. The first thing that comes to mind is that he could talk about anything music gear related. Any cord, any headphone, any knob, any volume, plug-in, set, whatever it is, he could talk about forever. And he does talk about it forever. And he, poor guy is married to me who has no musical ability or interest, really. And so whenever he meets a music friend, that's usually what they get into. He could also probably talk about like history. He loves history. And he also loves, he loves video games. I mean, those aren't, that's not really unique, but he does love video games. He plays, I always call it the wrong one. I think he plays an Xbox. I don't know if it's Xbox or PlayStation, but I genuinely enjoy watching people play video games, so I don't mind it. Okay, somebody asked me what my favorite podcasts are. So I listen to, honestly, I listen to mostly true crime. I used to listen to a lot of different things, but then when I started my own podcast, I I had to not really listen to things that were like mine because then I compared myself to them and I got really sad. I got really jealous. So I just kind of stopped that because it was making me feel not great. So I want, or I listen to a lot of true crime. So I listen to Crime Junkie, Morbid, Scared to Death. Uh, I like, I like like season long ones. Like I like the first season of Up and Vanished. Root of Evil is a gnarly, gnarly, gnarly one, but it's a good one if you're into true crime. Um, Counterclock. Oh man, there's a lot. I feel like I... I, I feel like I've listened to so many. Like I usually don't, when people suggest true crime podcasts to me, I've usually already given it a fair listen. So I like true crime a lot. When I listen to other things, I listen to Heather McMahon's. I listen to Kate Kennedy's podcast, Be There in Five. Um, I listen to a lot of Armchair Expert. I love Dak Shepard. I love Dak Shepard like so much. I have two goals in life. Okay. One of them is to judge a baking competition. Baking competition is always going to be my number one goal. One day I will do it. One day I will judge the holiday baking championship with Duff. Okay. That's all I want. But second, the second thing I want to do, I want Monica on Armchair Expert. I want her to get like too famous and like for her to do her own thing and she has to leave Armchair Expert and then for Dax to bring me on board. That's my goal. That's like, that's my ultimate number one dream of all dreams. I can, I can only hope so. Yeah, those are the ones that I listen to. Um, obviously, Serial is like the very first podcast that I listen to. I feel like a lot of people, that's their first podcast, Serial season one. And Matt and I just listened to one called The Habitat. We listened to it on our drive somewhere. And it's pretty interesting. It's about like a group of people who are on this remote spot in Hawaii, basically to conduct a study on what it would be like to live on Mars, I think, for like the next 
for like a, a whole year. Like they stay for a whole year. They can't go outside without spacesuits on. They have to stay indoors. They do research. They live together. It's it's pretty, you know, I made it sound lame, but I promise it's cool. Okay, let's keep going. Okay, let's get into some of these weird, weird questions you asked me. What finger do I pick my nose with? I usually pick it with my left pinky. Uh, I always go pinkies because anything else is going to stretch out your nostril and I'm just not about that. What's something that I love that most people hate? Um, hmm. Can't really think of a whole lot of things I love that other people hate. I can think of a lot of things that I hate that most people love, but let's switch that around. I hate, or sorry, I love, I love like bad movies, but not in the sense that I think that they're funny. Like I actually genuinely really, really enjoy them. Someone asked me, what is the best meal I've ever eaten? So I have a few, I have a few 10 out of 10 meal experiences. One of them is at a place called Major Domo in LA. And the head chef is David Chang, who I love so much. I love all of his food. He owns Momofuku. I think that's usually what people know him from. But Major Domo is his, I mean, it's new-ish. It's not it's like probably a couple years old, old, but that was one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. I also had an amazing meal experience at a place in Washington, D.C. called Daikaya Izakaya. And third would be, so a couple summers ago, we saved up and went to Paris and we had breakfast at a place called the Hardware Society. And it was like Australian themed. So they had like lamington cakes and a lot of like meringue stuff. And that was an amazing, amazing meal. I am almost positive that that restaurant is now closed forever, which is very, very sad. Um, Okay, this next one is interesting. Somebody said, how did you develop a nuanced point of view? So as you guys know, if you've listened to me for any amount of time, I always try and I call it my gray area. I love living in my gray area. You know, I love to not pick sides. I like to think that there is good in every opinion and there's things that are correct and things that are wrong in every every opinion and everything. I don't ever like to make definitive decisions like, yes, 100% that's right or yes, 100% that's wrong because I think there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. And I guess that's kind of how I got there, that there's always exceptions to every rule, every blanket statement that we say, like we, we say like, oh, this group of people do this. Well, there's always an exception. So can we really say that? Can we really say that that whole group of people does this? Because they don't. And I don't know, I just have found it to be a better place for me to be in the middle and to understand. And it's, I don't know, I, I know a lot of people don't like that. I know a lot of people like to have a definitive definition of what they believe or what they, which side they're on or whatever. But if I learned anything from my internship in DC, which I was insanely unqualified for and probably should have never been given that job. But I've, I learned then that we are all, all of us are functioning in our own echo chamber. All of us. We are looking for things to validate what we believe and we are avoiding things that make us question what we believe. And we've, I'm going to use politics as an example. Obviously, I'm not going to get into any details, but just politics in general. We are all, we could all Google the same thing on our phones. And depending on what type of media we consume, who we follow on Instagram, that it will give us different results. Like we will all be fed different things to validate what we believe. It's exactly like TikTok. Like when I'm on TikTok, I'm like, oh my gosh, all of these people agree with me. All of TikTok agrees with me. And I'm like, oh no, it's because it's been curated to me. (laughs) We're all functioning in that. And additionally, we're all operating from a place of fear, I think, because in politics, you know, you you hate the other side or you look at the other side and you don't like them because you're scared of what they might do. You have a fear that's based in their beliefs and that is not specific to right or left. They both do it. I can absolutely guarantee you that they both do it. Everybody is scared of what the other person will do. And I just thought about that, I mean, for a long time, but I especially now in this political climate, that if somebody is scared of something happening If somebody is scared of the people across the aisle doing something to them, but they're feeling the exact same way, what narrative have they been being, have they been told that makes them scared of us on the other side? 
You know, like they have clearly been told something that makes them very confident that they should be afraid, just like the other side has. They have been told something that makes them very sure that they need to be afraid. And when Matt and I got married, I just decided that I was not going to do, I was not going to, I was not going to live and I was not going to make decisions and I was not going to feel things based on what I'm scared of and based on what could happen if I make this decision. I was just done with it. I've had so much anxiety growing up. I was so scared of everything all the time, not in like a funny way. Like I had a really deep fear of anything remotely different or remotely, you know, off of what I thought to be right. And I just, I don't like that feeling, man. I just don't like that feeling. Uh, why I brought up DC. Let me get back to why I said that. So when I was in DC, I was in congr- I was an intern in a in an office of a congressman. And so many times we got calls. I remember that was like all we did was just answer calls. But I remember some bill was getting passed or something. I don't know. And I had a print or a copy of the bill printed out and it was sitting on my desk. And people would call and they would say, I cannot believe that this bill is private. I cannot believe you're not telling me this, this, and this. And I would be like, no, you can Google it. It's, you can Google it. You can actually find the, the, the bill. It's on there. You can print it out. And they'd say, no, no, I can't do that. And I'm like, oh, that's because they exist in an echo chamber that confirms what they're scared of. And even if there are cold, hard facts like, no, you can actually print this out and read it, it doesn't matter because we're all operating from a very human standpoint. We're all scared of stuff. We're all trying to feel validated. And I just, for me, it was a, it's a very, very, very happy place for me to say, you know what? I actually don't know a whole lot. I don't know. It's why I am. I love the Dum Dum Club so much because that's where I'm at. I'm like, okay, I'm not very smart. There's always going to be a million different things that I can learn and understand deeper and people with different experiences that have more knowledge than me. I'm never going to sit here and act like I have a monopoly on anything. I'm not going to sit here and act like I have all of the answers or all of the advice or anything. And starting a podcast has kind of helped me develop that in myself. And I haven't gotten more confident in myself like I'm right all the time. I've actually gotten more confident in not being very smart. I actually really like it. I like that I'm okay saying, yeah, I don't understand that. So can you explain it to me? Or, oh, I thought I understood that, but I actually don't. And that makes me really happy. It brings me a lot of joy to learn about people and learn about things. And I love I love when my perspective can be shifted a little bit. I actually have found it to be quite exciting. I like when I am dead set in my ways and somebody brings something up that really emotionally connects with me and I recognize that I have the ability to change my opinion when I'm presented with new information. I really, I like that. And I think that I'm going to end there because that is what I feel. I have loved that you guys have given me this platform that I'm able to talk about this stuff. And I hope that I never seem like I have all the answers or that you guys should come to me, you know, for specific correct advice. I'm just kind of brainstorming here all the time. I'm just brainstorming life. And thanks for letting me do that. And thanks for agreeing with me on so many things and sharing your opinions. This last week when we talked about the Real Housewives thing, I had so many really good conversations. You guys were really open with me. You guys were kind. You guys were vulnerable. That's what I like. That's what I like doing. I like being here. I like learning. I like laughing. I like hating things that people do, but I don't think there's any sense in hating specific people. I like hating, you know, funny social norms that are broken or dumb Instagram habits. I love to talk about that and talk about how annoying they are, but I'm not trying to sit here and say that one person is terrible for a certain reason. Well, I did say that about Rachel Hollis, but you know, I'm not perfect. So (laughs) I'm going to end there and I love you guys. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, check out Spa Trouvé and have a wonderful, wonderful week. Yeah.